0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: I respect it, I don't serve it. In other words, I don't have to serve God to go to heaven. But I recognize that he is God Almighty, the only God. And when I do that, watch this now, I am now surrendering myself and I take myself off the throne. I see him as being God. I look at him now and my God, the one whom I fear for me to have salvation. Watch this now says to me that going to heaven is by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone for the glory of God alone. And if I respect him, then I'm going to change my mind and place my faith alone in him as the one who died and rose again for me. That's how I respect him. I'm doing what he wants me to do for that salvation. You know what that tells me? God is near to me. God wants you to hear this message on salvation. He is near to those, especially for those who will trust Christ as Savior. So guess what? He's so near to you that would fear Him that before you leave here today, you could be absolutely sure of having salvation. Somewhere between the time I drop my hand and hit this pulpit, when you place your faith in Christ that quick, you have salvation. You've trusted in Him. You've respected Him. He is that near that you don't have to wait for an answer later on. Next bullet point. Truth is near. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Do you believe God's Word is truth. Now some of you, I want you to not look at this book as the greatest historical book ever written, although it is the greatest book when it speaks on history that you'll find. But yet it's more than a history book. It is not the greatest inspirational devotional book that was ever written, although there is tremendous devotion and intimacy about God and Psalms in here. A great, the, the hymn book of the Bible. It is not the greatest book of excitement of what's to come in the future, although Revelation and some of the other prophets got some exciting things to tell us what's coming on down the road to us. But I want you to know that this book, this book right here, this Bible is all of God's mind that He wants me to know, written on paper. So when I have the Bible, in a sense, I have the presence of God in written form right here. And so if I want to draw close to the Lord, some of the best ways I can do that is to build my time with Him in the Word. That's where the truth is found. So if you're sensing that God is not near you, my question to you, and I want to power down now, is how much time are you spending in His Word with the purpose of knowing Him through His Word? Next, His help is near those who call on Him. It says, The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. And there's a whole battery of verses on prayer, but I guess my question is, is, when you get into trouble, do you call upon the Lord? And when you do, does he really help you? What do you do when you notice that you, I, I did... I'm going to tell you a story. This is not good. I'm going to tell you... Uh, uh, I, I, the other day, Carol and I went to Walmart together. And, uh, and uh, I, I get bored at Walmart unless I'm going there for something I need. But you know how crowded Walmart is. Carol's with her basket, and she leaves her purse in the basket. And I'm my job, my job, push the basket because none of the wheels are balanced. And the second thing is to watch her purse, right? So I'm watching her purse, okay? That's my job. That's my job, all right? And so this time I thought I'd be a little frisky because I watched Carol now. She had her purse now slung over her shoulder and she was going and I was taking the basket this way. But while she was looking at something, I reached in and I pulled her wallet out. I just committed suicide when I did that, you know, <laughs> because I shouldn't have done that. Now here's my point. As little as that was, for that moment, Carol was panicking <gasps> Where's my wallet? And as soon as I saw the look on her face, I thought, I'm so guilty. I shouldn't do that. That is horrible. So I I wanted to keep it going, but I couldn't. God just, so I gave her back her wallet. Now, I said that in a little little, uh, humorous way for you, though. When you've lost something, you get real panicky. How soon between the time you realize you've lost it and the time you get panicky that you really say, oh, God, help me? Usually what happens is this. We don't bother asking God. We generally, we've lost it. We're going to look for it. So we look for our keys everywhere, who had it last, our wallet, our purse, whatever we need, our glasses. We will exhaust everything ourselves. And then at the very end, then we're finally saying, oh, God, help me. Isn't that not true? Isn't that, and it's usually at that time. And then when God does, let me ask you, how many of you said, praise the Lord, it's all of you. You failed. Help me find it. I hope we do that. But it's that sometimes, here's, what's, here's where I'm going with it. Sometimes the Lord allows things to happen. To bring us to a point of desperation, we now have to look up. When we finally cry unto God, and when we do, God in His infinite wisdom responds to that request according to His most perfect will, for this reason, to draw us closer to Him so we experience His nearness. So maybe by this little message today, when you go through something, and this verse talks about crying unto God, and that the help that you get, that nearness... The whole purpose of it is, is to remind us how we have easily drifted or how easily we could drift from the intimacy that we could have with the Lord because it's not about this life. Let me tell you something. And I, I love Carol. I love you. Okay. If someone stole her wallet, not me, but someone did, she'd still be alive. It's just a wallet. It's just credit cards. It's just her driver's license. It's just some money she might have in there, right? I can say that because it wasn't my wallet, right? (laughs) But my point is, you lived through it. And most of us here, if we would realize that God allows these things to happen in our life for the purpose of displaying the potentiality of His nearness to us, but we don't use those. His people are near to Him. It says, and He has exalted the horn of His people, the praise of all His saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to Him. Praise the Lord. I guess my question is, are you one of his children? Are you part of his family? And then it says, and his peace is near. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off. Now I want you to follow as I read this. Just silently follow along because I've got to unpack this. This is huge. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What you need to know is that phrase, who were once far off, are referring to Jewish people who now became believers in Christ. So they became Jewish Christians. It says, but now in Christ, you who were once just Jews are now been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christ did his part. He died on the cross. He paid for sin, rose again from the dead. They do their part by placing their faith in Jesus Christ. So they were once far off. Now they're near because they put their trust in Christ. So Jewish people can come to faith in Christ and become near to God. Let's go a little bit further. For he himself, Christ, is our peace, who has made both one, both one what? Those who were Gentiles, who were far off, those who were Jews. So the Gentiles were far, I'm sorry, let me get this correct here. I'm throwing you a curveball here. Who once were far off were the Gentiles. And it says, who once had been made both one and broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man, so, God says, I'm going to take the Jews and the Gentiles through the blood of Christ, what was done on the cross. I'm going to make peace with them and them with each other through Christ, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he, Christ, came and preached peace to those of you who are far off, the Gentiles, that'd be you and me, and to those who are near, which refer to the Jews. Now, why were the Jews near and the Gentiles far off? Because the Jews were closer, in a sense, to the writers, to the writings that were given to the Jews first. Then it was broadcast around. They're the ones that experienced the Messiah because the Messiah, Jesus, was a Jew, so they were near to these kinds of things. The Gentiles were far off. They were not. They had to be brought into God's forever family. Then it goes on to say, for through him we both, Jews and Gentiles, those that are close and afar off, have access by one spirit to the Father. Can you see up here real quickly? Again, nearness to God. All right. We're going to let this white piece of paper right here represent those who are Gentiles. How many here are not Jewish? Would you raise your hand? Okay, this piece of paper represents you and me. We're sinners. This piece of paper right here is going to represent all of the Jewish people right here. Do we have anyone here that's Jewish? Would you raise your hand? Okay, now I know we may have some part Jewish people, but that would be the Jewish people. The Jewish people are close to the Lord because, again, Jesus was a Jew, all right, and a few other reasons. The Gentiles were far away. When both put their faith in Christ, letting my Bible represent Christ, if you are in Christ, God brings you to him, you now become one, and now because we're in Christ, we became a third entity, which would be the church. Now, what he's really implying here are two truths. The first truth is the primary truth, which says that two groups were separated, and each group can come to God the same way, by faith, because Jesus died and rose again. So now you are in Christ, I have now made peace, and we can have nearness together. The second truth is, because the Jews go to Christ by faith... The Gentiles go to Christ by faith because both of us have our relationship to Christ by faith alone. We are near to God. That now gives us the potentiality to be close to each other so we now can have human nearness in an ethnic kind of way if we know Christ is our Savior because through that he's created another entity with that. Number four, fourth question. Is there a danger in drawing near to the Lord? The answer is yes. Some of you might say, how can you have danger when you try to draw close to the Lord? It's saying that we're near Him when we're not. There are people today that can do a lot of stuff. They can wear t-shirts that refer to them as being Christ ones and Christ followers. You can sing all sorts of songs, whether they're traditional or contemporary or praise. You can do all sorts of deeds, and you think that that's really saying that you're near to the Lord? Only God truly knows the nearness of the Lord that you are to Him. And so let's look at the verse. It says, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, in other words, they know how to do the talky-talky part, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me has taught, is taught by the commandments of men. In other words, men tell them how to get close to God rather than God telling them how to get close to God. He says, that's your problem there. So we have to be very careful when we talk about our nearness to the Lord that it's biblically based, coming from His word, that we're following His word on nearness. Number six, what could I do to demonstrate our nearness to others now? If I'm near to the Lord, this gives me an opportunity to have strength to be close to someone else. I want to tell you this story. Recently, there was an individual. I won't to be too descriptive of him, but the situation goes like this. He came to my office about four weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, and he was lost. He wanted to know how to go to heaven and how to get his life back on track. So he went over the gospel that going to heaven is by grace through faith, just trusting Christ. I said, "Tell me about your walk in the island." He says, "I am. I've been in a relationship for four years." He says, "I've um." And by the way, he's given me permission to share this. He's had such a a, a, a renaissance in his life. He said, I've been in a relationship for four years. I left the mainland to come here because my company moved me here. My girlfriend said that she did not want to marry me because she's somewhat of a Christian and that I was so far away from the Lord, although I am a Christian, or at least thought I was. And he says that I want to get closer to the Lord. and, And she won't take me back unless I become a Christian. I said, is your thought about wanting to become a Christian or getting your life back on track? I mean, going back to her, getting your life back on track. He said, I, want to, I personally know that I need God in my life. I am so lonely here in this island. I go to work, I go home, I get up, I go back to work, I go home. And he's the kind of guy that's single and good-looking, intelligent, professional, got a lot of time on his hands. All he does is go to work, go home. And he says, I need to have God in my life. So when he trusted Christ as his Savior... I went back to him and I said, Today is your birthday. We went through the plan. He called me that day and he said, I am born again. I know that I'm going to heaven now. I am so excited. So we began giving him scripture, what verses in the Bible he should read, to mark up or take him through the Purpose Driven Life book. He's working through a book on relationships to prepare for marriage. Because his girlfriend says, Unless you are a Christian that really has his heart turned toward the Lord, I don't want you. Well, in our second visit, I sat this young man down and I said, Sir... I want you to know something, that your relationship has got to be so intimate with God that if your girlfriend says, I don't want you, that it will not shake you. In fact, when I do marriage uh, retreats for those that are wanting to get married, not for those who are married yet, but the ones who want to get married, the phrase that I like to tell them is this, you are not ready to be married to that person until you are ready to be able to live without that person. Because if you can't live without that person, that person meets so many needs in your life, that that person right there will become your God if you're not careful. And you will manipulate or intimidate that person to do certain things so that that person will kind of connect better to you. Now, I know there's a certain degree of relation. You've got to do relational skills together. That's important. But really, when the bottom line is all done, when the dust settles in our life, we have to be so close to the Lord. Watch this now. That our tank is so filled with God and our intimacy with Him that we really don't need that other person to emotionally meet our needs as much as that now we're going to take God and we're going to meet that other person's need. And I know that sounds a little bit altruistic, but there's an element of truth in that. Little did I know that after the third visit, this gentleman came to me and he actually called me on the phone brokenhearted and he said, do you know what? My girlfriend told me not to come back home that she's breaking up with me after four years. And I don't know where all that is going, but I said, okay, what are you going to do about it now? He said, I can tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get to know the Lord like I really should get to know Him and I'm going to get into His Word and I'm going to let Him be the very center of my life. And I quote him in the verse that I gave to you today. He is now living this. It says, Whom have I in heaven but you? Now watch this. The rest of the verse says, And there is none upon earth I desire besides you. It says, It is good for me to draw near to God. So whether you get a Dear John letter, whether something happens that separates you through events of life, or whether it's through something like an accident or death, you want to say, Whom have I in heaven but you, and there's none upon earth I desire beside you. It is good for me to draw close to you. With that, let's just go through these three and we'll be ended. What could I do to do this? No, the Lord will never leave me. Once you have a close relationship with the Lord, you are now ready to have a relationship with others. Have a spiritually minded friend that you can call at all times because sometimes those friends will point you back to the Lord. So it's not just having a friend, it's having a spiritually minded friend who himself is near to God so he can reflect you back up to God again by helping to guide you. Number three, be able to relieve the needs of others by first being near enough to know their needs. And remember, you don't want to be sucked into their whirlwind of codependency, but you want to know them well enough so you know when to say yes and when to say no. And I've given you a list of areas to look at. Is it physical needs, emotional needs, social needs, spiritual needs? What can you do to help them? And so you're really, you saying, you're going so fast through all of this, Pastor. Why are you going so fast through all of this? Because all this other stuff at the bottom, I could give you a list of 15 other things to do. But I would rather have you have a near relationship with God and get that together because the rest of it will happen. Look at your action steps. What do you need to do now? You need to trust Christ as your Savior. Then you need to draw nigh to the Lord or near to the Lord by choosing to desire Him. And that's the verse we gave you. Whom have I in heaven but you? There's none upon earth that desire beside you. My flesh and my heart, they're going to fail. Sure we will. But God is the strength of my heart and the portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you will perish, but you have destroyed those, all those who desert you, for harlotry. In other words, for other tinsel of the world, who decided to draw near to others who promise you intimacy, but they do not. They steal the real intimacy away from you that you could have with the Lord to fill you. And that's why it uses harlotry there because generally it's a sensual thing that's done physically. It's a lie. It's not Harlotry is no relationship at all. It's nothing more than an act. And, but it's wrapped up in the emotional intensity of it that still scrambles up you from any normal sense of intimacy. But it goes on to say, but... It is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all your works. Well, today, folks, I want you to know that I put my trust in the Lord and I wanted to declare His works to you. And His greatest work to you is He's saying to you as He says, no matter what you did, religious or worldly, to try to bring you closer to me, as grateful as I am perhaps for your good deeds and for your religiosity, I want you to know that none of those things will bring you closer to me. He's saying, all that is telling me is how lonely you are and how desperate you are to be near to me. Then he comes back and he says to you, I will break down all the barrier between you and me, which is sin. You've tried to break it down by your good works or religiosity. He says, none of that works because going to heaven is not by works. He says, I will break down the wall if you will humble yourself now and you will come to me. So then he reminds you that 2,000 years ago he did the work when he died on the cross, paid for all of your sins. Every barrier, every brick in that wall was paid for, past, present, and future. He rose again from the dead. And he says, you have to be perfect to be near to me and you won't be and your works won't do it. But if you'll trust me, I then will give you that wonderful gift of intimacy with me, the real nearness to me. You then will spend eternity near me in a real place called heaven by faith alone this isn't just religion talk it's not denominational talk it's not this church's position only it's strictly what the bible says would you trust christ as your savior with every head bowed and every eye closed right now the lord is wanting you to experience nearness to him and salvation is provided for those who will fear him and experience his nearness Now, right now, your relationship with the Lord, although it's a public situation because you're in a room full of people, right now for you, though, I would like you to pretend there's nobody here because true relationship with the Lord begins privately between you and the Lord from the inside. And so if you could just for a moment pretend that you are right here with God and God alone and that God wanted you to hear this message, it is not by accident that God wanted you to know how near He wants to be with you. He started the process ever since your first ancestor broke that nearness, which was Adam. And he's worked all through the ages for this very moment so you could become ultimately and eternally near him in heaven. Adam missed that opportunity when he willfully chose to do his own thing. You now have the choice willfully to choose to do the right thing, and that is to trust Christ as your Savior. We talked about being close and intimate with Him for all eternity. But maybe your mind didn't take the opposite and I need to do that now. Do you know what the opposite of not being near to Him means? The Bible says that you will spend eternity separated from Him, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire, separated from Jesus Christ. Now I know that's not a popular phrase today, but that's the only alternative. If you're not near Him, You'll be far from him. But he says this, but I love you so much just the way you are and if you will place your faith in my dear son, you'll have everlasting life. Would you do that right now? Would you simply say between you and the Lord, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've tried to be good. I've tried to be a good woman, a good man. I've tried to live a decent life. I think I have. But Lord, when I really put myself up against your holiness, I'm not. And I know there's a barrier there, but you promised that you would take down that barrier my sin barrier between you and me. And you did that 2,000 years ago and I'm going to receive you into my life as my Savior. And that I'm now going to have you forever in my life. I know now that I will have nearness to you because you brought me close. And I'm trusting you to forgive me of all my sin. All my sin, once and for all. Jesus says, He that believes on me has right now everlasting life. You're absent from the body. You'll be near, present with the Lord for all eternity, Scripture says. There's no other way to get to heaven, Jesus says, to the Father, but through me. He is the one who will make you near to God the Father. He's done the work. Would you trust Him? Christians, I guess I ask you that question just a little bit differently. Do you believe the nearness of God as your highest good? It is good to be near the Lord. Are you getting to know Him through His Word? Are you sensing His nearness now? If you're not, could it be that there is some sin in your life, some iniquity that you're regarding in your life as a Christian, and that's a wall? Could it be lying? Could it be bitterness? Could it be greed? Could it be moral impurity, pornography, doing something harmful to your body with some chemical abuse? Do you have a broken relationship with someone and your pride is keeping you from asking forgiveness? or at least trying to reconcile, if possible. You can't maybe be reconciled with everyone, but at least you're willing to humble yourself and try. My friend, nothing is worth whatever you have to keep you from having nearness with God. For millenniums, he's worked and does did his part so you'd be near him. Let's not do Adam's part by sinning and then wanting with our lips to be close to him, but our heart is still far from him because we regarded iniquity in it. Maybe for some, it's not those sins. It could be just the sins of omission. Maybe you've got iniquity because you know you should put the Bible in your Bible reading and meditation first, but you don't. You know you're living in this world, but you haven't really shared Jesus Christ with someone who doesn't know him. You've not been faithful at gathering together with other Christians, studying in a Bible study. You haven't really been worshiping him, haven't been praying. Why don't you tell him right now? Lord, who do I really have in heaven? But you, you're all I want. And really, I'm grateful for friends and family and my mate, my kids. But truly, Lord, when it's all said and done, there's truly none on this earth I desire besides you. For when I have you now, I now have the ability to properly love them, those wonderful people you put into my life. And so, Lord, for me, as I walk forward, it is good that I draw near to you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for it. I thank you that, Father, that you have chosen to be near us today in this message. And I pray that all of us would now take what we heard, run it through the entire grid of Scripture, allow you now to speak to us through the Spirit of God to become nearer to you. You desire that, not, Father, because you're lonely, but because without you... We will be lonely. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida.